Hello everybody and welcome back to What the Ruck, the Edge of the Crowd's dedicated Aussie Rules podcast where we discuss and dissect the latest in the Aussie Rules world. My name is Danny Brown and today I am joined by the lovely Beck. How are you going Beck and how are you feeling about the past week of uh, men's AFL? It's been a while since we've heard from you. Yeah, it's good to get the pipes back on the podcast again, for sure. Um, Yeah, the last weekend, it was really, really exciting to see how all the clubs embraced Indigenous culture and celebrated those Indigenous players um, that have contributed so much, not only to clubs, but the culture of the sport. So we saw lots of fantastic matches this weekend and lots of individual moments of brilliance, but you see that every round. What was exciting though is just getting around and celebrating those Indigenous players. Yeah, 100%. Um, not to spoil um, some of our talking points later, but um, there were some really awesome pre-game stuff. Um, I know that last week I spoke about pre-game entertainment at Dreamtime at the G. Um, we'll go into some of the other stuff a bit later, but yeah, I'm, I'm with you. I think it's a really special acknowledgement. Um, and the least we can do, like, I think, um, it's, it's really cool that we have it across two rounds and, um, having Melbourne rebranding is, um, just one step further, um, in a, in a really easy way to educate people about um our country's true past so um yeah I'm with you on that one I had a pretty terrible time in terms of uh, footy results on the weekend um I'm glad that my own local team was able to get up but uh, Essendon once again got its bottom handed to it <laughs> um so not so stoked about that one, but that's okay. Um, there were bigger things to worry about at the club over the week, but we will get into that later um, because just, it is time. Sorry. Can I just quickly? Um, so my footy club over the weekend had the first girl to play a milestone game for the club. So shout out to my teammate, Lexi. She played 50 games and she's one of the first, not only well, she's the first at my club, um, but she's one of the first across the Perth Football League to actually play 50 games as a woman. So that's super exciting that we're seeing all those women starting to hit all those milestones. And I couldn't think of anyone more deserving, I guess, to reach the milestone first at my football club than Lexi, because it was actually her last game on the weekend. She's going away, but she's been such a key contributor, not only on field, um, but also off field as well in, you know, our culture and all that sort of stuff. So huge shout out to Lexi. Shame we couldn't get up for you, but love what you're mm-hmm. doing. That's awesome. Congrats, Lexi. We, we've had a few milestone players um, at my own club. We started in 2016. So we've got a couple years up on you. Um, but yeah, my, my friend and I, or my teammate and I, Britt, um, we're actually leading the club games count um, and we did the maths the other night. Um, and if we were to get, get through every single game of the season, plus every single game of finals, the grand final this year will be our 99th game. <laughs> so we're like, yeah. we're one game off of making the grand final our 100th game. <laughs> so yes, um, but I'm about to play my 100th game overall. I have played for two um two clubs and so that will be in two or three weeks time so I'm a bit stoked about that considering my body the strongest (laughs) or or like the fittest but I'm pretty stoked about that one 
that you're a trooper. So um, are you going to dust off the old cricket back that probably hasn't seen the light of day since cricket ended for you and raise the ton <laughs> as you're walking on the field or got any oh, banners planned? <laughs> well, okay, I have a grit. <laughs> when, um, so, yeah, we've, we've been making banners for every player that hits 50 games and I did not get a banner. So um, that's what I'm hoping for. <laughs> uh, I will allow it for the, um, for the club one, maybe not for the overall one. But, um, yes, I mean, my cricket bag is just sitting over here and you're right, I haven't touched it since the end of the season. <laughs> so who knows? I think that's where that smell is coming from. But... <laughs> Yuck. <laughs> it's like the old primary school bag where you've got the rotten apple in the bag and mum goes, oh, what's that smell? Oh, look, there's a rotten apple. <laughs> yeah, it's like the sandwich from the last week of term. Like, <laughs> oh, Well, we have very much got off track here. This is actually an Aussie Rules podcast, not a cricket or school podcast. Um, so let's get back into what we love to talk about, including our very favourite segment, Clangers and hangers. Everyone loves a hanger. Nobody likes a clanger. Isn't that right, Beck? Can you hit me with yours? Right. I am going to get the hanger out of the way first. We touched on it in our little intro spiel, um, but it is the Richmond pregame dream time celebration they had. So, They started off standing arm in arm and then they had a bunch of um, Indigenous dancers doing their stuff out the front. And among those dancers were actually players from the club. So players that didn't get games, such as Marlon Pickett, who unfortunately missed out due to suspension. Um, He actually designed the jumper as well. So it was a bit of a shame for him that he wasn't able to get out in the park and wear the jumper. Um, The likes of Sydney Stack, yeah, all of them out there, um, all painted in traditional costume, dancing with those dancers. Um, but what made that so special was the way the Richmond players that weren't of Indigenous descent um, centred around them and kneeled. And they really, I, I guess, it just elevated those Indigenous players. And Richmond has a lot of fantastic Indigenous players. Shay Bolton, Marlon Pickett, we mentioned him earlier. How good was that grand final of his? Um, yeah, just really elevating them. And I think that's what made it so special because it was a demonstration that, hey, these players are here and they're doing some fantastic stuff on field and we need to acknowledge that. And I think Sir Doug Nichols round does that very, very well. But, yeah, I just absolutely loved that part of the whole pregame show for Dreamtime at the G. Yeah, um, I... Sorry, um, if I can just jump in. Um, I loved it too. Um, and not only the dancing, but the war cry as well, which like, I don't know about you, but watching that, I get goosebumps every time. It's like, um, I feel like when when I was growing up, um, there was a lot of resp- respect when you'd watch um, Maori people perform the haka and there just wasn't that same level of recognition for Indigenous dancing and war cries. But nowadays, when we see that front centre on our national television um, with the respect it deserves, I just get goosebumps every time. Yeah. And I mean, I guess what makes it even that more chilling is it had two players from arguably the royal family of the Aussie rules in the Rioli. So it had Morris and Daniel um, in there as well. So just so special and such a great display of culture from Richmond for 
sure. Um, but my clangar, we're heading over to West Australia a day later. It occurred during the Fremantle and Collingwood clash and Fremantle forward Sam Switkowski um, sat or faced the tribunal tonight. So we're recording on Tuesday night um, and he is set to miss two weeks after pleading guilty. So um, what happened is he did a chicken wing tackle on uh, Jack Ginevan, who just can't seem to stay out of the headlines at the moment, but nonetheless, we go on. Um, but it is such a crucial, like, crucial, not even the right word, detrimental loss um, for Fremantle because he's just such an electric, you know, forward for them. And he's always a player I found to be a little bit underrated and I always love to watch him play. Um but yeah, they're coming up against Melbourne and Brisbane in the next two matches. So he's going to be a huge blow to the forward line. Um, I guess in that case, he knew what he did was wrong. He pleaded guilty straight away. Um, but yeah, it, it's not a good look. I think chicken wing tackles, like, they're just, ugh, they give AFL fans the ick and it's not something we want to see in games. They're just unnecessary. Yeah, I feel like it's such a, um, uh, not a dated type of tackle, but it, they were a p- real problem like five, ten years ago and they were stamped out like because the MRO came down really hard on it and you just rarely see it anymore. And so to have it come back in this way, I think it is really important to um, give out the um, the punishment uh, or the penalties that um, that it really requires to make sure it doesn't crop up again. Yeah, 100%. And, I mean, <laughs> I don't know how people <clears throat> are going to take this knowing I'm a West Coast fan, but someone almost has to do something like that, something outrageous just to remind people of the consequences and to almost, I guess, set the more modern precedent. And it's just a shame it happened to be a Fremantle player when they've got two really big clashes against some quality sides coming up. Yep. You, um, you live and you learn. (laughs) Mm -hmm. Um, All right. Well, that's me done. Danny, what are you going with this week? (laughs) Yeah. um, My clanger, um, if we go back to Sir Doug Nichols round part one, um, is to do with um, Anthony McDonald, Tip and Woody. Now, last week he announced that he was retiring effective immediately um, from from AFL. For those who don't know, he has had some personal issues that he's been dealing with over the last couple of years, um, which ha- which has resulted in him not playing too many games in the senior side for Essendon. Uh, he hasn't played a senior game all year this year. Um, did have a couple of dabbles in the VFL, but... Um, yeah nothing consistent um unfortunately and yeah so he has taken the time to um step back from the game now and he says he's at peace with the decision um but my clanger isn't the fact that he has retired but it's the fact that he um like like what happened with Marlon Pickett he um designed the Guernsey this year but in a different situation while I didn't get a farewell game and I just thought it would have been the perfect opportunity to send him off at a home game during Sir Doug Nichols round wearing the Guernsey that he designed I just thought that would have been perfect um you would have got a big crowd out for it um and who knows that that crowd could have 
turned the tide for Essendon. Um, the result wasn't what the Bombers were after, but um, we all know how much of a um, how much of an influence a really vocal and enthusiastic crowd can have. So um, I think, yeah, giving Waller a farewell game could have been beneficial for both him and the club. Um, but yeah, obviously we're not privy to whether he was offered it or not, um, whether he said no or whether it was just not on the table. So yeah, um, I just think that it would have been a good opportunity to say goodbye to someone that gave such a bright spot in um, what was a dark time for Essendon. So that's my clanger. Um, my hanger though is, oh, did you want to say something? I was just going to say, um, I when it was announced, I was looking through Instagram and I was watching stories and one story that really stood out to me was Willie Rioli's um, and sort of he posted a lot of highlights of Anthony McDonald, Tip and Woody and obviously it was, you know, watching those, you were like, whoa, like he was a quality player. Like it's a serious loss in terms of entertainment value, um, but obviously you've got to respect the personal decision. But the other thing that really stuck out to me was the caption. Um, it's not easy for those guys that come from the Tiwi Islands, I guess, to get into the AFL system. And um, a, a lot of a lot of it was, you know, proving those people wrong, defying the odds of getting to the league and being such an entertainer and such an inspiration, not only for, you know, Willie, and, but also for all the young kids up in the Tiwi Islands, because we all know how footy mad that island is. They're home to some of the biggest footballing families and some of the most well-named, you know, well-known Indigenous players. So um, I think he is a huge loss in that aspect, that he is a role model and he is a generational player um, in terms of what he does bring. So, yeah, wish him all the best and I hope he enjoys retirement. <laughs> Yeah, you make a really good point there and I couldn't agree more. Um, yeah, he is a really good role model and um, he will be missed. I, I not, to, not to drag out clangers and hangers here, but um, he, I remember the first game of my footy team season um, was the day after Essendon played at Adelaide Oval one time and I'd gone to the game early so I could see Essendon warm up and that kind of thing. And as Tipper was heading into the, or heading back down the race at Adelaide Oval, I yelled out to him and I said, Oi, Tipper, um, my, my team's playing their first ever game tomorrow. Can, can you give us a word of advice? And I was able to video him and, and he just sort of said, um, you know, wished us well and um, hope we got the win and, and we did get the win. So that was pretty cool. Um, so yeah, I guess, yeah, just he, he was, He's such a genuine person and is always giving of his time. And um, yeah, you're right. He is a big loss for not only Essendon, but for the AFL world. So um, all the best to you, Walla. We'll, uh, we'll miss you and we hope to see you around the club. Stream Anthony McDonald, Tip and Woody. Stream the song, get it to number one viral <laughs> in Australia. Come on, do it in yeah. his honour. Anthony McDonald, Tip and Woody playing footy. <laughs> He's coming to get you. <laughs> Um, <laughs> my hanger though if we go on to some more positive news um I I may or may not be a little bit biased with this one but um it is coming from the AFLW um Hannah Munyard who um if you've listened to this podcast in the AFLW season you will know that um she is a former teammate of mine um she plays for the Crows and um she actually came out to my footy team's training tonight 
um, to, you know, get back to your original club and, um, and just help out. Um, we have been trying to build up our under-14s as well. We don't have an under-17s team, but um, we've been trying to develop the under-14s while um, getting the open women excited to be at trainings. And, um, yeah, we were able to get Hannah out tonight um, before her pre-preseason starts. And um, she helped out with some drills and her dad came along as well. Her dad used to be a coach with us. So um, I think it's really awesome that um, or when players go back to their um, to their home clubs and help out and just be part of that community and, you know, not forget where they um, where they started their careers. So that was really special to a lot of the um, kids and the adults there tonight. So. Um, so a big cheers to you, Hannah. I'm sorry that I missed you. I literally pulled up into the car park um, as as Hannah and her dad left. So um, I was a bit bummed to miss that. But um, it's really cool to see that kind of thing happen. So, yeah, that's my hanger. Um, have you ever had the opportunity to have um, AFLW players at your club yet, Beck? Um, we haven't yet, um, but Charlie Thomas, she played for our so obviously she plays West Coast, um, taken pick three in the 2021 AFLW draft. She played for our junior footy club. So it's Hammersley Kareen Amateur Football Club and then it's Kareen Junior Football Club. So um, I know the junior football club is struggling for numbers in the year 11 and 12 girls side. So maybe if someone like her could come along and really, you know, build up those numbers and, you know, and get those young girls invested and in loving the game, then that would be a really good step for the club to take, I guess. Yeah, definitely. Um, it just gives that little extra boost of momentum to, to the sides. Um, well, that wraps up clangers and hangers and we'll head straight into our talking points. And while we are talking about AFLW players, um, today, Tuesday, the AFLW expansion signing period has begun. And I tell you what, I am not ready for this rollercoaster of emotions that we're about to jump on. We had um, by sort of like close of business on Tuesday, 28 players had moved um, or signed contracts. And then there was a flurry of them after <laughs> after close of business, after hours, I guess you could say. And um, Essendon signed a bunch more of players. So um, that was really exciting for me as an Essendon supporter. Um, yeah, a bit of a shock with some of the signings that were made, some of the moves that have been made and um, all signed off. But um, what was the biggest shock signing for you so far, Beck? Um, mine was Gemma Houghton. So she's obviously been a mainstay in the Fremantle side for quite a long time. And she has done a lot for that football club. And I, I, I sort of expected her to be a one club player, but obviously it's her choice and I respect that decision. Um, but yeah, when they announced that she was going to Port Adelaide, I was sort of like, what? Am I reading this correctly? But, but at the same time, I'm so keen to see her and Erin Phillips just absolutely tearing up the, you know, the Port Adelaide forward line. I think they'll be a very dangerous combination and an absolute handful for the defenders to contain. I mean, you've got a two-time um, league best and fairest winner, but in Gemma House and some of her accolades, um, she's played 46 games for Fremantle, so she's not far off that 50 games mark. She led the club's goal kicking in 2019 and 2021, and she was the 
um, in the All Australian in 2019 and 2020 as well. So she's an electric player, uh, no pun intended, you know, given power and all that. Haha. -ha. Um, yeah, but it shocked me because I truly expected her to stay um, at Fremantle. Yeah, that one really caught me off guard as well. So I'm glad I'm not the only one who thought that. Um, but yeah, that two-pronged attack, it's almost uh, almost rivals Geelong's three-pronged attack in the men's competition. Um, yeah, I wonder who else Port Adelaide can sign to uh, take up that third spot. Mm -hmm. Um for me, um, I was, I'm going to go with uh, Daria Bannister. Um, she plays for North Melbourne or did. Um, she is only 23 and she's played 25 games already. 24 of those was for North Melbourne. Um, and she has joined Essendon. Um, I just thought it was really interesting that um, she decided to make the move. She has been with uh, North Melbourne for four seasons. So I guess like like what you were saying with Gemma, she is a mainstay at the club. And um, yeah, she has been really valuable um, to, to the Kangaroos, especially throughout um, times when the club hasn't been as successful as it would like. Um, she's really ferocious. She's um, got a really good goal sense. Um, and yeah, she, she really proved her determination when she had to come back from injury to make her way back into the side, which she did and um, solidified her spot there. So um, yeah, we'll be, um, will be great to see her run out in the black and red. Um, that felt weird saying black and red instead of red and black. <laughs> um, <laughs> But yeah, uh, that one was probably one of the biggest shocks for me. Um, but if we look on the other end of the spectrum, um, who, which signing has been your favourite so far in terms of um, player movements? Oh, I loved Sarah Perkins' move to Hawthorne, let me tell you. Um, Sarah Perkins, she, first of all, will be the first AFLW player to have played for four clubs. Um, but what a valuable asset up forward she's getting. Um, but what makes her return a little bit more heartwarming is that she has been a very loyal um, and very meaningful contributor to Hawthorne's VFLW side. And she is reunited with Beck Goddard. You know, we all love Sarah Perkins and we all love Beck Goddard on this podcast. So what a combination. It's going to be such a lovable team to watch, such a lovable duo. Um, so yeah, I Sarah Perkins, like I admire her so much. Not only is she very good at what she does as a key forward, um, and she's an asset to any forward line, um, but she's just very much, I keep saying role model, but there's really no other word to describe it. She always stares down the face um, of those who doubt her and those who try to put her down and she rises to the top every single time and you just love to see it. So Sarah Perkins to Hawthorne, can't wait to see it. Bring on the next season. Absolutely. You just love those um, those types of stories where there is that emotional connection um, behind the signing. Um, I'm thrilled that Sarah gets to be under um, under Beck Goddard's watchful eye. Again, um, they made a really good partnership and I think Beck brought out the best in Sarah. So keen to see that happen again. My favourite signing, though, of this period so far um, is... From Port Adelaide, um, they have locked in a Cairns duo. Not only just a duo, they are twins. 
Um, we've got the Cockatoo Motlap twins. Uh, their names, I apologize if I say this wrong, but LaCoya and LaTonya, uh, Cockatoo Motlap, have um, signed with the with the power for this upcoming season. They're 19 um, and they are the nieces of former Port Adelaide forward Shay Cockatoo Collins. Um, and in a really special video, I don't know if you've seen this one back, but I sobbed. I sobbed when I when they got the um, offer of the contract. Port Adelaide got um, Juliet Haslam, who is um, the head of AFLW, and um, Naomi Maidman, who is the list manager there, plus Lauren Arnell, who is the coach. They all jumped on a Zoom call with the twins, with the twins' parents, and Shay Cockatoo Collins um, all together and Shay actually delivered the news to the girls that they would be getting a contract and their reaction straight away they just burst into tears and I tell you what so did I and if you didn't if you watched it and you didn't cry or at least like just get a little bit misty-eyed I think you need to go get checked because that was so emotional and just like so happy so that one really sticks in my mind as a really special signing so far. Um, Honourable mention also to Maddie Pastakis, who is going to Essendon, which has been her lifelong team that she's supported. So um, I just had to sneak that one in there. <laughs> um, but yes, we will be keeping a very watchful eye over what happens during the signing period, both for the expansion teams and for every team um, over the next few weeks. And um, yeah, we'll have some stories on Edge of the Crowd's website, which um, will keep you guys all up to date. So make sure you keep your eye out there. Can I just say, quick flex, at the start of the AFLW season, um, we did our predictions and my prediction was that Erin Phillips would finish up her career at Port Adelaide. So it seems very likely and I would just like to take a moment to say the only prediction I got right this year. So <laughs> hats off to Ooh. me and thank you, Erin. <laughs> Absolutely. That's also another really touching story. She's because she's going to the club her dad was such a great player for and has become a legend of. So, yeah, that's what I love about AFLW. There's always those really hidden, um, you know, really touching, family oriented, like just beautiful moments. Definitely. Um, but going back to those predictions, I also believe, I can't remember if it was Ellie or me. Um, we said that the Prasparkas sisters would end up playing at Essendon in the next season. Now, that's half right. We've got Maddie over. <laughs> um, so not as good as you getting 100% there, Beck. But uh, that's I'll, I'll give half a point for that one too. <laughs> yep. Half a point is still half a point. Got to take what you can get. Exactly. Um, now we'll we'll move on from the AFLW because this is meant to be talking mostly about the men's, but uh, we're we're pretty passionate about the women as well. But um, yeah, the men's grand final time for twenty twenty two has been locked in and revealed. And drum roll, please. We we are moving back to Saturday afternoon grand final time, two thirty p.m. on Saturday. September 24, back at the MCG. Now, Beck, tell me, is a nighttime or a twilight grand final really that bad? Or is the 2.30 p.m. Um, time slot just tradition? Tell me what your thoughts are on grand final time slots. 
I tell you what, as someone who went to the Optus Stadium grand final last year, and that was a twilight game, um, the spectacle was fantastic. But at the same time, um, we all know Australians like a couple of spicy cordials, especially on grand final day. And if it was a night game, I'm not sure how many people will actually be there to either A, watch the game or B, remember the game. Um, but in terms of liking the spicy cordials, I think the good thing about having a game in the afternoon time slot is the game's done and dusted by what, like six o'clock at night. So you still have the whole night to celebrate, whether your team celebrate or commiserate, depending on whose side you're on. Um, yeah, so you've still got the whole night to celebrate. But if it's a night game, then people would have been, you know, partying all day, come to nighttime, and they're just going to be over it. For me and WA personally, if it was a twilight game, it doesn't really matter because it's still afternoon for me. I mean, we start at 12.30 and we're spot, you know, we're firing up the barbecue for lunch as bounce down happens. But um, in terms of spectacle at the game, I've waffled too much about spicy cordials. Um, in terms of the actual spectacle itself, yes, a night game is fantastic. In terms of actually celebrating the event, um, afternoon's the way to go. Hmm. Do we rely on Australia's drinking habits to determine when the AFL grand final is held, though? That's the thing. No, totally, totally get your point. Yeah. I was, I was just going to say, like, it was the main argument I saw brought up on Twitter. I've got a lot of, like, friends who are on footy Twitter and they're all saying, I'll be too drunk by bounce down. So... Yeah, <laughs> totally get that. Yeah, I I do enjoy the afternoon game. I am, I I'm trying to not be, but I am a stickler for tradition. Um, I I do like it when, um, change is not a thing that's in my life. And if you change the grand final, that is something that uh, that does muck with my routine a little bit. Um, not to make it all about me instead of the country's drinking problem. But um, I, yeah, I, I do like it. I'm, I, I guess I just don't have a solid opinion either way because I also like to see um, it become accessible to other parts of the country. You know, footy is already expensive as it is. So if we can get like a grand final in a different state every, every year, that could be fun um you wouldn't have a Vic bias in the crowd um that yeah I guess it just changes things a little bit but yeah in terms of the time slot I think an afternoon is probably better than a than a night game I do like the spectacle of the sunset though during the game so yeah I just feel like a bit of a hypocrite saying I like tradition and then saying that I'm so against the 50-year contract that it's held at the MCG I can't say I'm for tradition when I literally go against it being at its traditional ground every year and yeah I guess uh coming up soon in terms of the men's competition we do have the mid-season draft coming up it's uh it's a pretty contentious topic I guess for some um in terms of whether it's beneficial, whether it should be scrapped. Um, I have my own personal opinion on it, but I want to hear yours first, Beck. Do, is, is the mid-season draft a good thing or a bad thing? Do you like it? Do you hate it? Tell me. Um, I've always been sort of indifferent to it. Like I've acknowledged it's there. Yeah, I've followed along, but it's not something I've had a strong opinion on. But 
Um, looking at West Coast this year, I think I've come to see the benefit of having a mid-season draft. Now, obviously, West Coast has been absolutely demolished by injuries over pre-season and during the season so far and they've had to put another two players on the inactive list um, in Oscar Allen and Luke Edwards so I guess for a club that's struggling to get numbers on the field they've had to use their COVID supplementary players on two occasions now um, it's good just rebuilding up that stock just to see them through till the end of the season and if they see someone they like then potentially signing them going forward into the future um, it, I, I just think it's a great opportunity as well for those that maybe thought that their chance to play in the AFL is over and giving them another chance to maybe get back out on the park um, or just say, hey, I've been on an AFL list, which obviously if you're playing footy as a young child, like you always dream of, there's that component to it as well. What yeah. are your don't like it if I look at it from a state league point of view. I totally get your points and uh, and agree with it for the most part. But if um, you look at how the state leagues are impacted by um, by the mid-season draft, a lot of the teams do lose multiple players. And I guess that disrupts their season. You know, they've gone through a whole preseason and through a fair bulk of their own season with a lineup that they're used to or that they've built their whole game style around. And then if they lose, you know, one, two, three of their key components of that in their best players, then it throws it all out of um, all all out the window. Really, um, you see, some teams um, would be able to pick up really easy um, and fill in the gaps, but others may not be able to. And it has the potential to change um, the the ladder, I guess, and and the standings heading into finals. So, um, I guess, yeah, from a state league point of view, um, it's it's not ideal. Um, but I guess you've got to look after the the main elite competition in the in the national competition first, and then and then work your way down. So uh, national trumps state each time. Um, but yeah, that's that's where I sort of sit with it. Um, looking at this this year's mid season draft, is there someone who you think um, might get picked up or deserves another shot or deserves to be picked up? I know in Western Australia, this name has been floated around a lot and it is none other than the South Fremantle midfielder, Jake Florenka. Now, he um, has actually had a hit out at AFL level. He played um, in West Coast's clash against Brisbane a couple of weeks ago and he really impressed. He only had 65 um, percent game time, but in that time he managed to get 19 disposals of which 13 were contested. He laid seven tackles um, and just overall looked to be a really, really solid player and like he could be a pick, good pickup for, I guess, whichever team wants to take him. And if West Coast have the number one pick, then presumably it would be him, um, that club rather. So, yeah. and But even at waffle level, like he is absolutely dominating. He... Um, this weekend, he finished with 41 disposals, 25 that were contested, 13 clearances and eight inside 50s against Peel Thunder. 
Um, so he's 25 years old. Like he's still young. He's still approaching the prime of his career. And if he could spend that on an AFL list, it would be a great way to spend his, you know, prime footy years. Yeah, for sure. That's impressive stats. <laughs> if I could get half of those in a game, nay, if I could get a third of those in a game, I would be thrilled. <laughs> if I could get a touch. <laughs> <laughs> honestly <laughs> me on the weekend sitting in the half back lines when when our opposition scored zero um, I, not, I've not just a done t- a bit more reading of this article um oh, yeah, after me. he played for West Coast he came back and played against Claremont um and got 38 disposals so he's a proven ball winner yeah he, consistently good yeah so I think he'll be bashing on a couple of AFL teams doors 100%. Yeah, sounds like it. Um, I think um, for me, uh, Essendon bias a little bit here, but I've always just loved how this guy has played. Ned Cahill has um, always had a little bit of a spark that I've loved. It isn't just because he has gorgeous blonde hair and beautiful eyes that just twinkle whenever they hit any source of sunlight. But um, he, he always has played his role really well whenever he's taken the field for Essendon. Granted, it wasn't that many times. I think he played only six or so season um, senior games um, across the two seasons he was on their list. But similar to Jake, like you were talking about, Ned is quite young. I think he's 20 or 21 um, at the moment. So he has plenty of years in him in terms of uh, footy playing days. Um, but yeah, I think if someone can invest in him some time and some effort to get him into the level that he needs to be at, um, I think he could make a really dangerous, you know, half forward or um, forward flank or even on the wing as well. Um, I think he would be a really good asset if someone's willing to give him the time. It'd be interesting to see if Essendon do pick him back up. Obviously, they've had a spot open up due to um, Waller retiring. So, um, yeah, he could um, he could slot back in. I mean, they both are forwards, so um, that can play on the wing. So, um, potentially something to look at. I know Essendon do need a bit of a, um, you know, in and under player. So, um, might be handy. But, yeah, I think Ned would be good anywhere. Well said. Um, Sorry? I just said well said. Um, And I will say that the comment about his eyes, all I could think about were like the vampires from Twilight. (laughs) How they like sparkle in the sun. (laughs) Yes. I was more picturing um, Ken from um, like Barbie and Ken, but like the Toy Story movies version of Ken. Um, (laughs) They look eerily similar. And also, um, can we talk about, well, maybe let's not talk about it because I'll be here forever. But um, Ned Cahill is just brilliant on TikTok as well. So he would bring the extra content with him to whichever club needs it. So, um, yeah, if you're looking, if you're if you're an AFL club looking to boost your engagement, Ned's your man. <laughs> um, last quick talking point, which we might just have as a quick mention more than a talking point, is this weekend... If Hawthorne wins, it will be their 1,000th club win. I think that's really cool um, to highlight. Um, on the weekend, it was their 999th, obviously, because that is the number that comes before 1,000. Um, but congrats to Hawthorne. Great achievement. And I'm sure that will be 
written in their history books um, this year. Um, who knows what else will come of the year um, for the Hawks. If they win, I expect to see 10 players holding a cricket bat up in the air. You're in your bloody cricket bats. <laughs> I it's love a it. milestone. 10, 10 times 100. Is that 1,000? Yes. Yes. Okay. Over. Yes. Okay. Yep. Yeah. This is Words why we're journalists and not mathematicians. Exactly. Exactly right. <laughs> Couldn't have said it better myself. Um. So we will quickly pop over to the last segment of our uh, of our episode, which is quick fire tips. Now we all know the drill. I will read out the games and where they're being played on what day, and we will say who we think is going to win with no context whatsoever. So um, first up, we have on Friday Sydney versus Richmond at the SCG. Who's going to win? Oof. I don't know. Richmond. Yeah? Yeah. Well, I'll go, I'll go Sydney then. <laughs> um, and then on Saturday we have Brisbane versus GWS at the Gabba. Brisbane. Yep, Brisbane too. Geelong versus Adelaide at GMHBA Stadium. Geelong. Yep, Geelong as well. We've got Nam Melbourne versus Fremantle at the MCG. Nam. Yeah, I think Nam as well. West Coast versus the Bulldogs at Optus. Bulldogs. Oh, she's you know your team is bad when you're tipping against them as a supporter. <laughs> well, yeah, sorry, I'm going with the Bulldogs as well. Um, Gold Coast versus Hawthorne to round out Saturday at TIO Stadium in the Northern Territory. I'm going to go Hawthorne. Ooh, I'm going to go Gold Coast. I'm liking what they're doing this year. Um, and then over onto Sunday, we have St Kilda versus North Melbourne at Marvel. St Kilda. Mm, I'll go the underdog. Let's go North Melbourne. Um Collingwood versus Carlton in what will potentially be the closest game of the round at the MCG. Real arm wrestle here. Um, I'm going to go Collingwood. <laughs> what was that? Collingwood? Collingwood. Uh, <laughs> you sounded so American when you said Collingwood. Collingwood. Yeah. Have we got Mason Cox on here? <laughs> no, it sounded like you were going to say Carlton. So you like started with Carl and then changed it to Ingwood. <laughs> I will go Carlton then. Um, and on the last game of the round, we have Port versus Essendon at Adelaide Oval. Port. Yeah, Port's going to win, but I'll go with Essendon just because it's the one game that Essendon's playing in Adelaide this year. <laughs> <laughs> manifesting a win for you exactly <clears throat> um well that rounds out our quick fire tips and also rounds out the end of the episode and uh this episode is a bit of an emotional one because we are actually taking this podcast what the ruck on a bit of a mid-season break um we will be popping out for a few weeks uh popping it in the ice bath on the coolers and uh, yeah, getting some treatment and um, 
yeah, so you won't hear us on the airwaves for a few weeks. Um, we will likely be back for finals or for when AFLW stuff starts to ramp up. Um, but yeah, we just wanted to say thank you on behalf of um, Beck and Ellie and myself um, for listening in. We did have Jason on an episode and Trent as well. Um, so thank you to those two for filling in. Um, and yeah, thank you to everyone who has listened to us waffle about footy. Um, it's something that we all love to do um, and it's been a really special time. But you will hear us back as soon as we can be back. Um, yeah, it's I've really enjoyed talking with you, Beck, and with Ellie. Um, every, every week it's been good to reflect on our national sport. Do you have any, any comments you want to make? I'm just going to miss the chaos of it all. Like it, it initially, like how it started out is we were all like, oh, geez, like first week of AFLW, let's get a podcast out, did our predictions. And then from there, it just got even crazier. We had sunglasses puns. We had me, well, not even me. Like we had episodes where two of us were missing voices and our vocal cords were hanging on by a thread. Um Oh, it's just been crazy and like so many good memories. Oh, so, I feel like we should be <laughs> I feel like we should be holding hands and singing as we go on. We remember. I was gonna oh, say kumbaya. <laughs> no. Oh, yeah, the girl guide in me jumped out. It truly has been a chaotic time from recording at past midnight like we're doing right now. Well, I am. You're in Perth, so it's not midnight yet. Um, to, yeah, we, we were lucky to have um, Mariana Ratchic as a guest on before the um, AFLW final. Um, many jokes, many terrible puns, especially from yours truly. Um, and many clangers and hangers, which we have enjoyed talking about. Um, it's been a special ride. And uh, yeah, we can't wait to jump back on. So yeah, on behalf of us all, thank you. And we'll miss you and we'll catch you soon. And uh, just want to say, go Dons. Go Eagles. And I'll say this on the behalf of Ellie, go Dogs. I was just about to do the same. Oh, <laughs> oh man. We're I feel awful good. saying that because my boys are about to come up against. Anyways. <laughs> yeah, you're literally cheering for both teams. Good way to get out if uh, if, if West Coast lose. Well, I do <laughs> have a bulldog scarf from the grand final last year. I'll just do what I did at the AFLW doubleheader and just chop and change the scarf. It. <laughs> Love that. Wear one around your head. <laughs> or just rock the beanie and then the scarf. Ooh, she's a fascinista. Oh, dear. Anyway, great note to round out our episode on. Um, thank you, everyone, for listening. It's been our pleasure. This has been What The Ruck. You can find us on Twitter and Instagram at What The Ruck Pod as part of the Edge of the Crowd network. You can find us at Edge of the Crowd on Instagram and Twitter too. And, of course, on our website, www.edgeofthecrowd.com. Thanks for tuning in, and we'll see you sometime in the future. Love you. <laughs> Love you. Right.